In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us his forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you O oh, Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities, with which I have ever offended you, and justly deserve your temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them, and sincerely repent of them. And I pray you of your boundless mercy, and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor sinful being. Upon this, your confession, I, by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto you. And in the stead, and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up to salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make all his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him, Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done. His miracles and judgments. He remembers his covenant forever, the word that he commanded for a thousand generations. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up to salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in
conversation that Jesus is Lord and God through the same Jesus Christ your son who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit one God now and forever amen the scripture readings for this the second Sunday of Easter is recorded on the reverse side of the service folder, the first lesson from the fifth chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. And God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. And when they heard this, they were enraged, and they wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Theodos rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him, and he was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. And after him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census, and he drew away some of the people after him, and he too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. And so in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone, For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found to be opposing God. And so they took his advice. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus, then let them go. 
Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Christ has risen from the dead. God the Father hath crowned him with glory and honor. He has given him dominion over the works of his hands. He has put all things under his feet. The second lesson from the first chapter of 1 Peter, verses 3 through 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable and undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and Rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 20th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. And so the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe it. And eight days later his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands, put out your hand, and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, 
my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, Confess with me our holy Christian faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Our text for this second Sunday of Easter is from the Gospel reading, St. John, the 20th chapter. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after this, he showed them his hands and his side. This is our text, dear friends in our Lord. Yosef Vissarionovich Yugosfoli. You know him better by the name Joseph Stalin. General Secretary of the Soviet Communist Party in the mid-20th century, Stalin was a man who was feared. And for very good reason. He was notoriously responsible for one of the most vicious reigns of terror the modern world would ever see. Ordering the covert assassination of fellow comrades who posed any kind of threat to him, arranging for the midnight arrests of average Soviets by the thousands, and then shipping them off to the Siberian gulags, machine gunning down his own citizens who had seen the promise of life beyond the Soviet border. But you know, as much fear as he spread, it was fear itself in the end that consumed Stalin. Sources close to him have noted that Stalin was constantly in fear of being poisoned or assassinated himself. And so he kept eight bedrooms which could be locked up at night like safes in a bank. No one was allowed to know in which of these rooms he would spend the night on any given night. Locked up. That's being consumed and paralyzed by fear. Fear and locked doors. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? For that's where we rejoin the apostles this morning in, in the text. We rejoin them in the very same state in which we left them. They're afraid. We last saw them the last time that most of them saw their Lord, and that was when he was being bound in the Garden of Gethsemane. You see, you and I, we're one week removed now from Easter. We've seen the solemn... And the dark days of Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday give way to the glorious light of Easter morn. We've heard the hope-inspiring words of the angel who said, He's not here. He's risen. Through the eyes of Mary and John and Peter, we've seen inside the tomb and have been convinced by it that He is indeed risen. But recall the setting of our text for today. John reports that this is the evening of the first day of the week. It's the evening of Easter Sunday. The last we saw the disciples was the last time that most of them did see their Lord. And so we rejoined them as we left them in fear. The doors being locked for fear. Where is Peter now? Audacious and bold Peter who declared, I will die rather than deny you Christ. Or how about those bold sons of thunder, James and John? who wanted so desperately to sit at Jesus' right hand and his left hand in the kingdom, confident that they had the right stuff for the job. Where are they all? They're in hiding. They're hiding because that's what fear and that's what doubt require of us. When they had every reason on earth to rejoice, they were afraid. Fear and doubt had seized them. Fear and doubt had immobilized them. 
Fear and doubt had stolen the joy of the resurrection from Peter and John, who had seen the empty tomb. And the evidence of the resurrection, fear and doubt robbed all of the disciples who heard the report of the women, who had been to the empty tomb and back again, reporting what they had seen, hearing the voice of the angel. But fear loomed so large that it cast for them a long and a dark shadow over the most glorious day that the world had ever seen. That's what fear and doubt do. That's what they do to us all. Fear and doubt, they're domineering companions that will not let us be free to enjoy the situation for what it is. And can we blame the disciples only and not consider our own doubts that we would harbor? Will we point the the finger of indictment at Thomas for not believing the apostles' report when we ourselves don't always believe what they have reported to us in the scriptures? Now, maybe it's not the resurrection of our Lord that we doubt, but certainly our doubts do revolve around the other promises that he makes. So in doubt, when we find ourselves asking, God, don't you care about me? Don't you see me sinking here in my financial hardships? Or God, have you forgotten me as I seem to search in vain for someone with which to spend the rest of my life? Don't you hear my cry, God, for help as I try to deal with the stresses and the strains of latter life? Lord, is my prayer for those dear to me who don't yet go to church and here with me receive the life-giving word and sacraments. Is that prayer even heard, Lord? And if it is, what's taking you so long? Where are you, God, when I'm here in the depths of failing health? Am I a lost cause, God? My sins, are they so great that I'm beyond hope? How we ourselves doubt, don't we? It's doubt worthy of repentance. But how we too will live in fear, just like the disciples, not boldly, not confidently living in the promise and the hope and in the help and in the peace of the resurrection, but rather living as it were in hiding. Hiding behind life's locked doors. Afraid. But the stone did not keep Jesus in. And locked doors are not going to keep him out. He cares far too much for us to leave us there paralyzed in the fear of what might be or what was or what is. Uninvited, our Lord passes right through our locked doors. He comes to us through the barricades of fear. He doesn't wait for us to emerge out from behind them, but rather he comes to us. Just as he did that first Easter evening, the living Lord passes right through the barricades. But that's exactly what we need. We need him near exactly what they needed, right? The apostles and those gathered that day. It's, it's what Peter needed, doubting perhaps still his own worthiness of even being there included with the rest of them because it was he of all people. Peter was the one who denied the Lord. It's what John needed. John who had witnessed with his own eyes his Lord die. And he had seen with his own eyes and testified to us how very dead he was. 
as the water and the blood issued forth. It's what Mary needed, who perhaps wondered whether she really did see the Lord earlier that day or if she was just simply seeing what she so wanted to believe. It's what all the disciples needed for all of them, overcome by fear, had abandoned him. But knowing just what they needed, he appeared to them in the flesh. Now, appearing to them, he well could have roundly scolded them. Couldn't he have? Scolded them for their unfounded fears, their deep doubts about him. But that's not what he did. Appearing there to him, to them. With that voice that they knew so well, that familiar voice that had guided them and counseled them brought them to faith in him over the last three years. With that familiar voice, he said to them, Peace, brothers, peace be with you. Peace. And then he showed them why they could be at peace. He showed them the marks of peace. As if to say, look at the nail marks here in my hands. And look at the mark in my side where my blood flowed forth. Look at the marks of my crucifixion for you. And take heart in them. I know that you fell well short. I know that you doubted and you lost faith. I told you that you would. But behold my hands and behold my side. Behold those marks those marks that bear witness of my love for you. The wounds that have paid price in full for all of your failings. Behold them and be at peace. It's just what they needed. It's just what they needed. That's what we need too. Isn't it? That's what we need too. After Easter's Jubilee begins to wane in the festive fanfare then begins to fade. And as we return to days of normality, how easily we forget that because of his cross and his empty tomb, things are anything but the way they used to be. Behold, friends, the marks. Sin no longer owns your eternity. Death no longer pins you forever down. He lives. He lives to overcome today and tomorrow. And this morning he reminds us of that very thing, that because he does live and because of him it's fear and it's doubt that have been overcome. And to assure them of it, he appeared to them in the way that, he was, that they were used to seeing him. He appeared to them in bodily form. And he let them there touch and handle his flesh and see him with their own eyes. It's what they were used to. But for us he's chosen different means. And methods, no less potent, mind you, no less potent to dispel our doubts. We don't, though, see him with our own eyes. But we do see him by the eyes of those who were there and then by faith. And we do hear him through their ears and by their report. It's what St. John wrote to us. These things are written that you may believe. But don't for a minute begin to consider yourself second blessed. Second blessed because you haven't seen him with your own eyes, but take it from the Lord himself. You heard him say it today to Thomas. He said, because you have seen me. A week later when he appeared to him, he said, because you have seen me, you believe. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. 
from his own lips, friends. He's talking about you. There in that verse, that very day, speaking to Thomas, he was talking about you. You who would sit here in 2008, the year of our Lord, and though you do not see him, yet you believe in him and you love him. And so blessed are you, says your Lord, blessed, because not only does he give you and give us his word that we might believe in him, but knowing well that stubborn and sinful, slow to believe streak in every one of us, he assures us today right here as we would touch and handle things unseen. His very body, His very blood, right here in this supper, our Lord, as Luther said, truly as present here with us as He was with those disciples in that upper room. Here to comfort us with His body, with His word. My friend, strengthened by his very real presence here with us. It's then without fear. That's how we go on living life, then without fear. All the days of our life, whatever those days bring. It's freedom from that fear. It's being disentangled from all of the doubts. Even if they are those doubts of having, having the adequate necessities of life. For friends, did Christ not say... Don't worry and don't let your chief concern be about what you shall eat or drink or the clothes that you'll wear. Your Father in heaven knows that you need them. It's the freedom from the doubts of failing health for did the risen Christ not promise. My grace is sufficient for you, whatever your thorn in the flesh. It's freedom from the fear of loneliness for the, did the Lord not appear to his disciples and comfort them and all of his disciples with the same promise saying, Lo, I am with you always, always, to the very end of the age. Is God's word not true when he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you? Above all, the death and the resurrection of Christ Jesus means that all the days of our life, we can live life without the paralysis of fear over sin? Or did he not once say to one paralyzed and in sin, arise and confidently go? Your sins are forgiven you. In the face of whatever the world will throw at you and with whatever it will threaten you, remember that he said, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Most of you here will recognize the famous phrase uttered in 1933. Perhaps a few of you will even remember hearing it crackle over your radios. In his first presidential inaugural address, it was a younger Franklin Delano Roosevelt that sought to embolden a nation deep within the doubt and the depression of a suffering economy, and he did it with these words. He said, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, he said, unreasoning, unjustified terror which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. Friends, Christ is risen. He lives. 
And so we have nothing to fear, not even fear itself. The living Christ has converted fear's retreat into advance. The advance of living confidently in Him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We rise and sing our post-sermon hymn.
and for all people according to their needs, we pray. O Holy Father, for sending your Spirit to overcome our doubts and create that faith in us which with Thomas of old calls Jesus my Lord and my God, we thank you for our confession of Christ, and we pray that you would sustain that confession within us until that last day, when with the faithful of all the ages, we confess Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord have mercy. Hear our prayer for the church throughout the world, and especially for those in various places who are persecuted for their bold confession of Christ. Give them the courage of their convictions in the face of hostility, and preserve them through peril and persecution unto heaven's security and peace. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord have mercy. Have mercy, O Lord, upon your church and all who serve as her pastors in your congregations. Grant them your Holy Spirit that they may speak your word boldly to the impenitent and erring and lovingly to the penitent and hurting. By that word, move us from behind our locked doors of fear and doubt into the world that so needs the gospel of Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Have mercy, O Lord, upon all who suffer from the afflictions of illness, disease, or age, including the Pauls, and the Lathams, the Muches, the Ryans, Martha Anderson, Paul Duell, and others among us. Be with all the homebound members of the congregation. Grant good counsel to the troubled of mind, and bless the use of all the care that they receive from others. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Be present, O risen Lord Jesus, with all who are troubled by doubt, with all who are tempted to despair, with all who are tried by trials that seem greater than they can bear. Be present with those who mourn and those who remember loved ones gone before, especially Jeanette Brackman at the death of her daughter Nadine this past Wednesday, and all who grieve the death and the impending death of a loved one. Comfort them with the promises of the resurrection that confidence that's built upon the word of our risen Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord have mercy. Be with our soldiers in dangerous places who protect us from those who would bring terrorism to our own cities and towns or by it rob us of our rights. Grant wisdom to the executive, legislative, judicial branches of our government that each may perform its duties well without interfering with the others. Grant success to honest business, true science, honorable arts, Preserve our society from all evils that would destroy us from within. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Look with mercy, O Lord, upon all who approach your altar to commune this day, that each may in faith and without doubt receive the true body and blood of your Son. Through it, forgive us and strengthen us and enable us to gratefully confess with one united voice that Jesus is indeed, as confessed of Thomas of old, Lord and God. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. O Lord, Heavenly Father, we here remember the sufferings and the death of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, for our salvation. Praising his victorious resurrection from the dead, we draw strength from his ascension before you, where he ever stands for us as our own high priest, Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom that has no end. And graciously receive our prayers 
Deliver and preserve us, for to you alone be all glory and honor, worship and praise, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God. And most especially are we bound to praise you on this day for the glorious resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, the very Paschal Lamb, who was sacrificed for us and bore the sins of the world. By his dying, he has destroyed death. And by his rising again, he has restored to us everlasting life. Therefore, with Mary Magdalene, Peter, and John, and with all the witnesses of the resurrection, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, and said, Take and eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
The peace of the Lord be with you always.
O God the Father, the fountain and source of all goodness, who in loving kindness sent your only begotten Son into the flesh, we thank you that for his sake you have given us pardon and peace in this sacrament. And we ask you not to forsake your children, but always to rule our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit, that we may be enabled constantly to serve you through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Thank you.